Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily update on the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Steve Holden. Coming up, find out who's calling the US and UK pathetic and gormless, and it's not Russia or China. And it's the end of the road, I'm afraid, for a fox called Rambo. We're taking you to Gloucestershire now, a leafy British countryside county uh, nestled in the west of England. It's got those rolling hills and it's situated on the edges of the Cotswolds. But it is where a woman was allegedly stabbed last week outside a leisure centre in the town of Cheltenham. She suffered serious injuries and she's now said to be in a stable condition. And the reason we're talking about this is because it's being reported the woman was an American spy seconded to the UK because Gloucestershire is also where the country's intelligence, security and cyber agency, known as GCHQ, is based. Counter-terror officers have been involved in this case and the Times' crime and security editor, Fiona Hamilton, has been following the story. This all happened um, around three miles from the headquarters of GCHQ, the government's listening post. Secondments across the Five Eyes Intelligence Partnership are quite common. And in this case, the woman is believed to have worked in the National Security Agency in the United States. But like other intelligence agencies, they won't confirm who works for them. There are obvious sensitivities around individuals depending on their role. So there hasn't been very much public information in this case. Take you back to 2021 and a dusty film set in New Mexico. Alec Baldwin is rehearsing a scene for his Western Rust when the prop firearm he was holding went off. The bullet hit cinematographer Helena Hutchins in the chest and she died on the way to hospital. She was just 42. The director, Joel Souza, was also struck but has since recovered. Now, from the beginning, the actor has denied being at fault for the incident and said it was not his responsibility to ensure that the gun he was given did not contain live rounds. Well, last month, the charges brought against Baldwin were downgraded. He's now facing a charge of voluntary manslaughter, which carries a maximum of 18 months in prison. And now there's another twist, and it seems as if it's another win for Baldwin. Earlier, I caught up with US lawyer Anne Bremner, who got me up to speed on the latest developments. The special prosecutor appointed to the case, who was very uh, aggressive and very good and very qualified, stepped down from the case. There was an alleged conflict of interest on the separation of powers doctrine, 
there was a claim that was unconstitutional for her to be on the case because she was part of the legislative and judicial branch, and you can't be part of both. So when we look back at this now, I mean, we mustn't ever forget that somebody lost their life here, and I think it's very, very important we don't forget about Helena Hutchins. Yes. But with this case, it seems to me, I mean, it's protracted for a start, but where is it going to go, and is it going to, is it going to end up in court? Given what's happened overnight, I think there could be some kind of a plea deal if Baldwin is allowed to save face and not serve time. And I don't know if that's going to happen because the state alleges that he actually pulled the trigger and had lied about it in an interview. And that's a big part of their case. Also, they're saying that the um, overall safety is an issue of the set. He was in charge of that set. So they're going to make an argument. It's not just that he pulled the trigger, but he was in charge of everybody that made mistakes. And that's why he's charged with manslaughter. And why not take out a Times of London subscription to keep up to date with the latest on this case and the other stories featured in today's World in 10. So, Jenny, we've all been there, haven't we, when one of the extended family uh, says something provocative, uh, pokes the bear, fans the flames, whether they intend to or not. And in Australia, that relative, so to speak, is the outspoken former Prime Minister, Paul Keating. Now, he is not a fan of his country's huge multi-billion dollar deal to buy nuclear-powered submarines from America and the United Kingdom. The reason, as you may have heard, China's military expansion and its increasing influence on the world stage. It was a massive story for the podcast yesterday, but in a TV interview broadcast across Australia, Paul Keating Well, he didn't hold back. He said Australia's reliance on the UK for defence was deeply pathetic. He said Joe Biden was hardly able to keep three coherent sentences together. And this is a quote that really sticks out for me. Signing the country up, I won't do the accent, signing the country up to the foreign proclivities of another country, the United States, with the gormless Brits in their desperate search for relevance, lunging along behind, is not a pretty sight. Not holding back at all, that word gormless. Now, Paul Keating, he left office in 1996 and he's known for his outspoken remarks. And the Times' Bernard Lagan who's in Sydney, explains why this former Prime Minister is so anti the deal. What concerns Keating, I think, is this. Why should we be upsetting China by buying nuclear submarines, which we know China is not happy about? Why should we risk compromising our financial relationship with China uh, for these things? A dozen nuclear submarines is not going to make much difference if there was a war with China. Now, Paul Keating is approaching 80, but still holds clout within the Labour Party in Australia. But it explains that when Keating talks, people do listen. There is a lot of love for Keating as the great Australian underdog, if you like. He said the average Labour Party member will probably agree with much that I am saying. They haven't had a voice in the acquisition of these submarines, and they will have a view that $386 billion might be spent better elsewhere. 
For people not too familiar with Paul Keating, he is an expansionist who's always argued that Australia's long-term future, it lies with Asia, geographically closer, not with America or with the UK. And as we discussed on the podcast yesterday, the decision for Australia to acquire these nuclear submarines has already angered China. So we're going to see now if Keating's words have any further impact in the coming days. Jenny, Manny Pacquiao, arguably, I'd say, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Totally. He fought 72 times, won 62 of them. He is a world champion over four decades and retired in 2021. A giant of his sport. He's 44. He's also a politician in his home country of the Philippines. He also tried to run for the presidency last year. But it looks like he might now be tempted back into the ring to fight British boxer Conor Ben, who's coming back after his own drugs test dramas. This is from noted boxing promoter Eddie Hurton. Now he's told the Times that talks have taken place and he expects the fight to take place at the start of June. I guess it's a prime example, isn't it, of of what would be boxing showmanship, really putting the sport front and centre. And on Pacquiao's age, like I said, 44, Eddie Hearn says it doesn't matter if he's 84, he's a hell of a fighter. Now that is a testament. So I've come down to the newsroom for the Times of London. I'm with Sam Masters, who's the assistant foreign editor. Sam, what have you got coming up in the pipeline for tomorrow? I suppose the big story we're doing is... um from Max Tucker, um, who's writing about and revealing for the first time how Ukrainian special forces plotted um, to fly in un- under the radar to Azovstal, which you may remember is that big steel plant in Mariupol, which was besieged uh, to try and get uh, their soldiers out. And it's the first time anyone's ever, ever reported it. Um, and it's a rather compelling piece of uh, journalism. And just before we go, we have time to cover the very sad news coming out of Australia about the last surviving fox in the Pilliga State Conservation Area, around 350 miles northwest of Sydney. Christened Rambo because of his ability to survive despite the odds stacked against him, the large male fox has vanished from the motion detector cameras set up to track him, suggesting he may have outwitted his pursuers until the end. Over five years, Rambo dodged helicopter marksmen, 3,000 poison traps, tracker dogs, spy cameras and drones. But he's not been seen on camera since an early December flood and his trackers believe he may have drowned or starved. And so sure are they that Rambo has gone to the great fox set in the sky. They've held an eradication celebration. I kid you not. Ah, RIP Rambo. Uh, That is it from today's World in 10. From the Times of London, we are back tomorrow. 